This is Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a program about international business, supply chain and globalization and the effects these have had on the way we work, play and live over recent decades. There's a little bit of history, a dash of economics, a sprinkling of business and an overlay of personal experience both for me and for my interviewees from around the world. In today's program, we'll be talking to Lisa Anderson, the founder and president of LMA Consulting Group, uh, based in Claremont, California, which is in the uh, metro area of LA. Lisa is an expert in manufacturing strategy and end-to-end supply chain transformation, working with clients in manufacturing and distribution across multiple sectors, such as aerospace, defense, industrial products, healthcare, food, and beverage. Lisa has been named as a top influencer in supply chain, uh, B2B tech, and ERP by SAP, Arketi, and Washington Frank, respectively. Lisa's also author of the book, uh, I've Been Thinking, Turning Everyday Interaction into Profitable Opportunities. And before founding LMA Consulting, she was VP of Operations at Paperpack, which is now uh, attends healthcare products. So welcome, Lisa, and thank you very much for being here with us today from California. Great, looking forward to it. Okay, so I've just given a kind of a brief overview of your your career there, but you, you might give us a few more details um, uh, about your career going kind of back to, I guess, college or post-college or whatever. And how did you come to be a consultant in 2021? Yeah. So when I, I went to college and uh, got my undergraduate degree in um, in business with an emphasis on operations management. So that's how I, that's how I got into this field. Uh, I became interested long, long time ago. Um, and then I started my career at uh, Coca-Cola Enterprises. I was in uh, production planning and I went to a uh, plastic injection molder and uh, was doing production planning, inventory control, and uh, some purchasing. And then I went to the, a third uh, company, which was uh, Paper Pack. So they made well absorbent products. So uh, adult incontinence products and also um, absorbent products that supported the uh, food industry. There, I held several different roles within uh, manufacturing supply chain. Uh, we were a family-owned business. We uh, grew uh, pretty significantly over several years. And then we purchased a division of Procter & Gamble, as well as a uh, another smaller entrepreneurial company at the same time that we um, were going through Y2K. So we were implementing a new uh, ERP system. And uh, so that was quite a lot to um, take, take on at once. So through that process, we ended up bringing in a uh, turnaround CEO and uh, I helped them uh, turn around the supply chain uh, side of things. And then I was promoted into the vice president of operations and supply chain. And then it was uh, quite quite the ride because we implemented, uh, well, well, I ended up actually having to implement one order, one shipment, one invoice to get the uh, processes and the systems uh, back in order. But then um, we ended up uh, relaunching product lines and a significant R&D project uh, to also offset rising oil and gas prices, which was significant, uh, had a significant impact on our material costs. Um, and just like one thing after another. Um, but we were successful in uh, relaunching our products and straightening out our um, product mix, if you will, as far as what we were, you know, how well each tier performed uh, and what they cost and, um, you know, how we could, um, we actually strengthen them so we could 
brings that sales back. Of course, that ended up screwing up manufacturing. And then we ended up uh, straightening out manufacturing and uh, eventually selling off the company uh, successfully. So I ended up uh, deciding at that time that it would be a good, you know, it was like 24-7 type of experience, uh, um, a deep dive, if you will. And so I thought, um, why not put this to good use in consulting? So now I've been consulting for 15 years and have been um, helping uh, manufacturers and distributors, supply chain organizations improve their um, their bottom line of their business performance. Okay. And I, have you always been in California? Is California your home state? Uh, well, since my career, yes. Um, I I uh, went to uh, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill for my undergrad degree. And then I um, went to Arizona where my parents were and I found a job in California. So I've been out here since... Uh, since then, however, it's kind of interesting because my uh, when I was in that vice president of operations role, we had a significant uh, plant back in North Carolina. So I ended up uh, being there about half the time anyway. Okay. Uh, so you've been in consultancy business since 2005, thereabouts, 15, 15 years, 2006, thereabouts? Yes, correct. So what, what are the main differences for you between having a, you know, a very busy role in a medium to large size company and being, a, a, I guess, your own person running your own consultancy business? Well, I, I think that the main difference is, is that you have, you're responsible responsible for bringing in your own business, which is certainly not the case uh, when I was a vice president of operations. So, you know, that's one of the main differences. Uh, Aside from that, all of the skills that I've learned um, throughout my career have come into uh, play for sure um, during my consulting career. And you're always learning every day, which which was true in my uh, professional career prior to consulting as well. So I'd say the the real difference here is, is that you're looking for clients as well as uh, making sure that you deliver significant results for clients. So you, you need to learn to be a marketer and a salesperson, I guess, right? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> which is uh, which has always been a tricky thing for um, supply chain and operations uh, professionals. So, but I enjoy it overall. Yeah, and what inspired you to go in your own rather than seek another job, you know, another sector or another experience? Um, well, you know, I actually, I read a book after my uh, role and it said, if you're looking for another job, uh, maybe think about consulting, but you shouldn't think about it as in between um, jobs. You should think about it, um, e- you know, either do it or don't do it. And then I ended up reading a book about consulting and actually, um, you know, that book made it sound like I knew I could save companies uh, money. I, I knew I could help them improve their performance. I just wasn't sure if I could figure out how to who, um, find clients. And so this book made it sound um, eminently doable if I provided value and followed the process. So I thought, you know, why not? It's like a great idea to give it, give it a try. And which book was that? Do you remember the title? Uh, yeah, I think it was um, actually it was Alan Weiss's uh, "Getting Started in Consulting." So okay. I ended yep. up uh, following that uh, following that process, and I agreed with him with his organizational development uh, philosophy and what he thought about um, leading people within companies. It's you know I, it'll I aligned with those uh, values. 
And what services, uh, what kind of activities do you get involved in now with your clients? And what kind of results, uh, outcomes are you helping them to achieve? Generally speaking, I'm maximizing three things. So one is how to improve their customer's experience. So uh, these days, there's, by all means, uh, customers are looking for rapid deliveries, twenty, you know, 24-7 accessibility and just you know, an elevated service level. So maximizing uh, their customer service and um, doing customer programs. Uh, the second is profit margins, uh, how, to, how to basically improve their profitability um, and efficiencies. And then the third is cash flow. So how to reduce their inventory throughout their system uh, while keeping those other two variables going in the correct direction as well. So how do we how do we do all three at once is really the the crux okay. of what I consult on. You you mentioned there are a couple of things uh along the way you, you mentioned saving and you mentioned efficiency and uh you mentioned inventory reduction. So these are all kind of things related to uh, I guess using the minimum resource to create the, the maximum output or benefit. And now we have this situation post-COVID where everybody's talking about resilience. And uh, I guess part of resilience is having redundancy. And redundancy often means having stuff around the place that you don't need right now, but you might need if there's an emergency. So how do you, how do you think about that trade-off or that dilemma or that tension that's really uh, strong now for companies between resilience and efficiency? Well, I actually have been talking about that quite a bit lately, about how you need both. The only way you can be successful, and really this has been true for some time, but it's just been um, highlighted and aggravated to be sure uh, with the uh, COVID crisis. But the key is to be be profitable and efficient at the same time, you have to be resilient. Uh, The Amazon effect um, is is in full force. Um, and like you said, these days you have to find ways to, um, you know, have duplicate source of supply or, um, you know, I think you asked me like, how, how do you do that successfully, um, mm. Patrick? There's, there, well, there's like a lot of different ways we could talk probably for hours, but, um, you know, I find it's not all it's not all or nothing. It's not all one way. It's not as though you have to have everything as with duplicate supply. Like one of my uh, one of my key clients over the years had their area of their manufacturing facility that was that was critical um, was the machine shop because without that um, flowing properly, the rest of you know the customer service would get backed up and everything would be a problem. We actually in that case put excess capacity meaning excess people um, in the uh, machine shop that was capable or at least had people throughout the facility with additional skills, you know, that, that could handle bottlenecks over time. So there's, that's, that's one thing there where you look at the strategic area of the business. And the same thing is true in essence with uh, material supply. Um, Like when I was VP of operations, we had, a backup supplier that we use 20% of the for 20% of our volume all along so that if something went awry with our uh, number one supplier because they were located in Brazil and there was plenty of things that could go wrong which eventually it did and when they did because we were purchasing 20% from our backup source of supply all along um, they came through uh, it did add some cost uh, to our um, equation, 
um, you know, ongoing. However, it allowed us to, you know, be the best of both and be resilient at the right time without adding, without, you know, they didn't make us go through uh, all sorts of hoops. And, you know, we worked with them to reduce the cost um, because we were working with them ongoing and had upfront conversations and, you know, helped them, you know, it was, uh, you know, we worked throughout our supply chain to make things improve. So there, there's a lot of opportunities, but, you know, this was for a key source of um, material supply too. So there's a lot of examples like that where you have to pick, pick your battles, if you will. Yeah. So you're strategic and selective about it. So in, in a way, I guess the dichotomy that I presented to you in a way is a false dichotomy and that it's not one or the other, right? It's, it's, it's a bit more complex than that. You've got to think it through. True. But it's certainly something I'm seeing coming up with clients across the board. So it's a great, uh, great topic, especially for um, emerging successfully from this uh, COVID environment. Yes, indeed. And um, so how would you say that, you know, maybe two or three ways that clients are are better off after working with you that, than before, either through your, your own evaluation or or for from them having told you? So a couple of the types of processes that I work with them is one is uh, what's oftentimes called sales inventory operations management, but it's about better predicting future demand, which is absolutely critical yet challenging in uh, today's COVID environment. At the same time, how do we align that with uh, capacity? And that could be, for example, uh, certainly production capacity is pretty clear because, you know, there's people, there's machinery, groups of machines, and it's always, there's always some complication with how to, how to do that successfully. Uh, But the same thing is true in distribution is how do we, especially with uh, what's happened with COVID and the rise of e-commerce, how do we align it with uh, warehouse capacity? Uh, how do we know what that capacity is? And is it uh, piece shipping or, you know, pallet shipping, which many times like the it's been either e-commerce or if it's B2B, it could be drop ships. And then that could relate, you know, now to a, uh, to freight capacity and you know, there's a lot of uh, challenges along the way. So one is uh, how to better align demand and supply, which generally speaking, it really goes back to those three goals I was talking about earlier. So clients come come to me because they had they were struggling with service levels uh, or they wanted to improve their um, like lead time performance. Uh, m- many times that's the issue, but they also come for the same type of process when they're uh, when they're looking to reduce inventory levels or um, spread the inventory out to their supply chain more effectively, or it could really be a profit issue. And how do they improve their operational performance, um, which could be efficiency, as we were talking about earlier, but it also could be reducing waste, which I don't know if I would really call that efficiency. It's very different you know, type of thing, um, or it could be, you know, related to their suppliers. So the, uh, so that's, that's one of the key programs, uh, that I tend to, to tend to do with them. To, to achieve those results, then do you end up changing processes, changing infrastructure, changing layouts, changing commercial arrangements with service providers, all of those types of things? Yeah, it's, it's really all the above. So uh, in, in my case, it's really not implementing the standard methodology across all clients. It's, it's absolutely not that. Um, many of the times it's uh, what you said, it's 
you know, usually I have to start with the customer and the demand. So it's going to be, how do I, how do I better predict demands, but it could therefore lead to how do I help them set up programs with their customers for how they can supply their customers with product without receiving orders. So, which is like VMI on the other, you know, for their customers. Um, but it's also other um, creative customer uh, programs, if you will. So there's that, but then there's, how do we improve the processes in our um, processes, our flow, which could which could lead to some of the lean concepts? Uh, it's basically the order fulfillment processes and cycles, and then there is uh, their systems uh, and technologies. So I'm finding that technology is accelerating rapidly. And that's one of the key changes with COVID as well. So uh, there's there's a lot that can be done, not only just implementing uh, a modern ERP system, which I also help them select, uh, select the appropriate systems and partners, uh, but it's also peripheral technology. So it could be their business intelligence uh, system that they need, could be an e-commerce system, uh, could be IoT, um, you know, there's a lot of AI capabilities within a lot of these uh, elements. So there's how do we leverage technology? So it's really people, processes, technology, strategies. So where should we be producing? Uh, should we make or buy um, in order to um, support? Uh, wow, there's a lot of reasons. It could just be profit, but it also could be whether I'm making or buying or where I'm sourcing from. It's more of a strategic topic, if you will. Um, and what things have you and your clients learned from the experience of working with and working around COVID through this year that's just finished 2020? Well, for sure, we have to be faster, <laughs> faster than we even were before. So uh, we have to be paying attention to changing customer demand patterns. Because many times our customers don't even know what's happening and they we have to help them pick up on what's going on with their customers and how we can collaborate across further layers in the supply chain so that we can get a better view of what's happening. So we have to be more proactive and um, quick, if you will, on both the supply side and the customer side. And then on the operations, you know, your internal operations, you're, I'm finding that those companies that innovate um, and those companies that have been implementing along the technology roadmap, now this isn't just random technology, just for technology's sake, but are implementing the technology that's helping them um, achieve results within their industry, which may not be the same at all as uh, from one company to the next or one industry to the next. So, but if they're further along in that process, they're probably they're they're they've been more successful and they're going to be more successful because they need to have additional visibility throughout their supply chain. They need to, like you were talking about, the way to gain efficiency and resiliency is, is that they need to be able to leverage additional tools. So, like for example, one of the systems that's gaining in popularity pretty significantly right now is it's tried and true in a way, but WMS systems. Um, so handling their warehousing um, and, you know, a lot of the technology that goes along with that and, you know, some of the newer features of like uh, being able to, uh, you know, augmented reality and all sorts of things, but in essence, uh, 
just keeping up with what makes sense in your case. Because in other cases, it doesn't make any sense. doesn't like save them any money. It doesn't help them from a customer point of view. And some, something else is a better thing for them to be utilizing. So what, so what, what are you seeing some companies thinking about now uh, as they enter 2021? And hopefully, we do hope that it's going to be the course of this year over the coming months, the end of the pandemic. And um, so what, what changes are companies looking at and what do you see as the role of the supply chain in, in their being able to be successful in the future? Uh, well, I think that they're realizing that the supply chain is strategic and the supply chain is uh, more important than ever before. Um, and that really just can't be relegated to, to people without paying attention to it. So definitely it's um uh, the companies have realized that it's more strategic in nature and they need to pay more attention to it for one. The other thing is that they're looking at how do I uh, get ahead um, of the changing changing customer needs? Uh, how do I how do I get ahead in terms of like the technology uh, like our, their technology roadmap? Roadmap. How do and how do I um, create a flexible and agile, resilient type works? I don't know if I call it a work structure or it's not just for their internal people though. It's from it's to their you know customers and their suppliers as well. So how how do I create this resiliency um, in my supply chain so that I can be responsive and successful? So they're they're looking at doing all that because pretty much in 2020 they were focused more on survival, not that they, um, it depends, of course, some of the more proactive companies were taking advantage, but for sure, now they're looking at how do I rush ahead um, of competition and uh, take advantage of the opportunities, because there's always more opportunities that come out of um, challenging times than any other time. So it's, it's, it's a it's a great time uh, for them to uh, stand out from the crowd and um, make you know, surpass their competition. So the, the smart companies are look are doing that. Now the companies that aren't as smart are really just hoping that it's going to get better. <laughs> so uh, it, it sounds like the um, doing and making of strategy almost has to be a, a continuous process, you know, not something that we do now for five years or now for two years. Um, and also that we need to be prepared to change it. So it's happening almost all the time and being tweaked all the time. So that we can almost turn on a dime as as things change rapidly, as we saw with COVID. So I guess yeah. that, that that seems to be what's happening. Is that what is that what you're seeing? Absolutely. Um, I uh, saw that happening as well. Like some of the um, more successful companies were doing that already. We're starting to do that already, uh, but it certainly aggravated it um, and accelerated that need. So there, you know. Uh, any longer than a year's strategy is um, pointless, pretty much. So they're they're pretty much just evolving their strategy so that they can um, keep themselves to be resilient. So I have a client actually that was forcing products from China and um, did some value add processing uh, in the U.S. and They've been they were very successful. They were ahead. They generally speaking are thinking ahead. They had already moved their source of supply or were in the process of moving their source of supply to Vietnam uh, prior to the tariffs. So they looked like heroes when the tariffs came into place because they avoided quite a quite a bit of them. And then, of course, uh, as COVID came into play, too, they were they were more successful than the general um, 
client. With that said, they're they're not staying still. So even though in their case, it's not less expensive to bring their product back to the U.S. yet, um, where it is really for, for many uh, products uh, these days, um, they are looking at expanding their presence in Mexico because they already have one in Mexico. It's just that it's quite far from their customer base in the U.S., which is kind of strange since it's since it's Mexico. So one would think it's closer. But anyway, they, they already are looking at expanding their presence in Mexico, even though it takes a little longer, oddly enough, than it does to get from China. Um, and it may not be less expensive, but they're thinking, how do I do that? And how do I expand maybe my presence even in, in the U.S. as their e-commerce is expanding as well? Uh mainly so that they can be better positioned to be resilient uh, to changing circumstances. So folks are thinking about, you know, how do I, I guess in this case is somewhat thinking about reshoring, but it's really, it's not a reshoring versus not a reshoring topic. It's much more of uh, like, how do I set myself up to be successful? But that includes profitable and, um, ability to uh, change to changing circumstances quickly so they can change to customer needs. Yeah. So, so the reshoring is not an end in itself, but it's probably the outcome of pursuing these other goals of resilience and profitability and agility and so on. Yeah. Yeah, okay. for sure. It's a, it's a, it's a fascinating uh, topic and uh, you know, there's a lot happening in this space this year. So I think, I think you're probably going to be very busy. So when you're, when you're not busy in the business, what do you like to do in your discretionary time? Um, in your well, spare time? <laughs> pre COVID um, I really enjoyed traveling. So that's, that's a bummer because I can't really do that anymore. Uh, I'm hoping that that changes and I can get back to doing some travel. Um, International uh, travel. Do you like doing? Yeah, I, I well, both, but I definitely do. Um, I've been to Europe many times, uh, been to uh, um, Central America many times. Uh, mm-hmm. I was in uh, Vietnam, uh, not you know, about six months before this whole COVID, uh, before yeah. the whole COVID thing came to play. Uh, but so I, yeah, Australia, New Zealand, etc. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, there's a lot of places in the U.S. too that I like to go. Yeah. We might see you in Ireland sometime, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I Actually, I really do want to go to Ireland, so uh, that's on my list. So <laughs> definitely stay tuned. And aside from that, I uh, like to play tennis as well. But unfortunately, my uh, tennis club was uh, similar to many of the small businesses. It was really quite successful. But um, they decided after the governor in California shut, shut folks down, allowed them to open it up, and then shut them down again that they had enough of that. So they decided that they were going to sell. And so I was really bummed about it. However, in the last week or so, I got a note that they actually did sell to another person that's um, another group that's uh, going to keep them, keep the uh, tennis and swimming in okay. place. So that's a good yeah. thing. So it wasn't starting out that way. Are you reading, are you reading anything currently that you would uh, recommend? to listeners anything that's inspired you or is interesting well you know i have to i read so much for um understanding what the latest trends are in in you know the industries that i work with and the and of course with uh, supply chain and operations that um i'm so i've been so immersed in all of that that i haven't been um haven't had the opportunity to read read things for fun if you will although yeah. i i enjoy it so um from that point of view i you know i guess that 
I don't know that I would recommend it, but that would be, <laughs> that'd be what I'd really enjoy doing is finding out what the trends are in um, you know, in the in the various industries is what is really what I could add to that. Although I like mysteries, I just haven't read any recently. I've been watching okay. them. <laughs> uh, where can this where, where can listeners find out more about you and about your your business and uh, some of your writing, your thinking, and so on? Ah, yes. Well, I do have thousands of articles, and I actually just upgraded my website, so they're all available for free. So uh, you can go to uh, LMA hyphen consulting group.com and uh you'll you know can sign up for my uh i have some newsletters there uh and you know like i said thousands of articles on my blog for free you're welcome to uh read all about them excellent so that's lma hyphen consulting group.com right correct okay well thank you very much uh lisa it's been a pleasure talking to you today thanks very much for being here great thank you i enjoyed it Thanks also to all of our listeners. And remember that if you would like to know more about how I can help you to formulate and implement international business strategies that deliver, check out my blog on albalogistics.com or pick up my book, International Supply Chain Relationships, on Amazon, Google Books, or Apple Books. Thank you for listening and keep well until the next time. Bye.